It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are listening to Locked On NHL, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And today, on behalf of myself, host Sarah Avampato, and my co-host, Justin Morissette, we welcome you to yet another edition of Locked On NHL, looking at our playoff previews. So today we have three excellent guests on the show to share their insider knowledge on each of their NHL teams as we get ready to return to play. First off, we've got a conversation with Gil Martin, host of Locked On Islanders, to share all of his thoughts thoughts on the Islanders' strengths and weaknesses as they head into this play-in round against the Florida Panthers. Next up on the show is Ian McLaren, who has the league-leading Bruins ready to go and take on the round robin. Rounding things off in an all-Eastern Conference show today on, weirdly enough, Western Conference Wednesday. We'll deal with that later, I guess. We've got Adam Denker of Locked on Lightning to give us the scoop on Tampa Bay and some of their secret weapons, as well as their award-nominated, highly-touted players like Victor Hedman, Andre Vasilevsky, and the always great but often injured Steven Stamkos. So first up, we've got Gil Martin to give us the download on the New York Islanders. Hi, welcome. What's up with the Islanders? <laughs> well, a lot right now. I mean, look, Islander fans have been starving for hockey since the season was suspended in mid-March and uh, really looking forward to getting back into action. This team got off to a great start, slumped a lot down the stretch, and, and now find themselves with a chance for redemption. You guys are taking on the Florida Panthers in this play-in round, Gil. How do you feel the Islanders match up against that team? Is that kind of a you know a play-in matchup that kind of fans are, are licking their chops at the prospect of relative to uh, other teams you guys could have drawn? I, I think it's a pretty favorable matchup. Not that it's an easy matchup, but the Islanders did beat Florida all three times they played during the regular season. And I, I think the Islanders are a stronger defensive team. The Panthers are a stronger offensive team. And that's where you're going to see, I think, the best matchups in this upcoming series. Do you think there's any element of payback or, you know, a blast from the past, knowing that the Islanders and the Panthers met up fairly recently a few years ago in the playoffs and that helped end that streak of the Islanders of not getting past the first round? I know the teams have both essentially turned over almost all their personnel really since then. Uh, But do you think there's any kind of bad blood from that uh, series in the past? I I don't think there's a lot of bad blood. I I think, you know, if I'm Joel Quenville, coach of the Panthers, I certainly use it as a little bit of motivation and and certainly bring it up to the, especially to the players who are, you know, still on the team who were there in 2016. But uh, I mean, these two teams, while they do have, uh, some interesting connections. There's not a great rivalry just yet. You know, what are the expectations for the Islanders, do you feel like, heading into this postseason? Because, you know, to me, from the outside looking in, I would say the team's success that they've enjoyed over the last two seasons has kind of been a big surprise and that, you know, uh, anything that you accomplish here is just a good sign of something that you're building towards long-term. Is there going to be any sort of fallout for this team? Are people's jobs on the line if they don't hit a certain threshold of success in this playoffs? Well, I mean, I don't think that Barry Trotz is in any kind of immediate danger or the general manager, Lou Lamorello. Uh, I think, you know, the Islanders organization would like to at least match what they did a year ago, which is winning in the first round, getting into the second round, which now you have to win two rounds to get to that same spot with this 
uh, extra play-in round. But I, I think they'd at least like to match it. And I think the attitude for most of the fans coming into this playoff series is, you know, why not us? We're as good as anybody else. We may not be better than anybody else, but we're certainly not worse than anybody else. And uh, if, if we get the right goaltending and get hot at the right time, we could beat anybody. Now, one theme that has really come up in talking to other hosts of teams who are uh, going into the postseason, again, I don't know what that what that's like, so I'm living a little <laughs> vicariously through all of you guys here. Uh, but one theme that keeps coming up is the fact that this break, as much as it stinks, both A, for, you know, horrible pandemic reasons and be just for teams you know getting rusty or losing momentum that a lot of teams are actually really liking it because they're getting back a lot of players who were injured or who maybe needed you know had something going on that they were trying to play through or whatever is anyone coming back for the islanders are there any big changes or players who you think are going to be benefiting from the break that the teams have taken Absolutely. There there are two big time players that are coming back and a couple of guys who were dinged up who will be healthier uh, once play resumes. But to me, the big two, uh, you look at center Casey Sezikis, who centers that fourth or energy line and, and really is a big part of the heart and soul of this team, setting the tone for the forwards with his forechecking and his penalty killing, winning important faceoffs. And then on defense, Adam Pellick, who uh, has been out since very early January. And, you know, the Islanders were about 12 games over 500 when he got hurt, and they were well below 500 after he was injured. So, you know, he's on the top defense pair. He was leading the defensemen in minutes every game. And when they lost him in the lineup, they sort of lost balance. They had, you know, not a good balance of lefties and righties. They were playing some inexperienced players and and didn't quite have the depth they needed to maintain that same level of defense. So I think getting Pellick back is huge because, you know, the Islanders have to win a lot of two to one and and, and three to two games. And if your defense isn't playing at, at its best, it's hard to do that. Gil, it's almost hard for me to believe that it's been two years since John Tavares uh, took off for Toronto because every time these teams play each other, that nerve still feels so raw. Uh, I know that you said that, you know, they want to get back to where they were last year to uh, feel like this has been a successful season. But uh, do you feel like the fans on some level are just measuring themselves against the Maple Leafs as well? And as long as, you know, they have a better finish than Toronto, everything. It's all good. There is a a degree of satisfaction, I think, among a lot of fans if the Islanders go deeper into the playoffs than the Maple Leafs do. I'm not going to deny that. And and I think, you know, it's more about the way that John Tavares left the Islanders than it is the fact that he left the Islanders. I, I think a lot of fans were shocked and disappointed And, you know, he kept saying, I want to be a part of this organization. I want to stay. And then all of a sudden there's a picture of uh, of a 10-year-old John Tavares wearing Maple Leafs pajamas uh, up on uh, Instagram and on Twitter. And all of a sudden he's gone. So I I think there was an element of surprise, an element of betrayal. And, and yeah, there are some fans who it's important to them that the Islanders go deeper into the playoffs than the Maple Leafs. Yeah. 
I'm just like so uh, anticipating or hoping for anyways uh, for uh, the Islanders to make it past the Panthers and for the uh, for the uh, Maple Leafs to make it past the Blue Jackets and for these teams to potentially meet in the postseason because it feels like the perfect storm of bad blood to create uh, one of the more memorable playoff series we've seen in a long time. No, no doubt that would be great. It'd be even better if they were playing at home arenas, but obviously that's not possible right now. But uh, yeah, that would that would be a very good emotional moment for fans uh, across, you know, Islander fans everywhere, really. And and I, I think it would be emotional for a lot of the players, too. No, I think anyone who even kind of a little bit follows the Islanders knows Matt Barzal and knows how great of a player he is. But is there a secret weapon for the Islanders? Is there a player that is maybe going to kind of float under the radar and, you know, be that guy that scores the overtime goal that sends them to the next round? Uh, who, who should who should uh, people look out for who's maybe not a household name on this team? Yeah, I, I'm going to go with two different names. Uh, one is Josh Bailey. He just seems to come up with some clutch goals uh, when, when it really matters. And then the other player I think is is a key to the Islanders' success in the playoffs uh, in a lot of ways. And that's Jean-Gabriel Pajot, who they acquired from Ottawa at the trade deadline. And, you know, he was brought in to solidify the third line for the Islanders. And it's been a problem getting any kind of offense from that third line all season. They traded for him, signed him to a, a big contract extension. He scored two goals in his first two games with the Islanders and then nothing for the last five games and obviously the Islanders didn't win any of the seven games he played in so they're looking for him to return to the form he had with the Senators earlier this year when he was enjoying a career high in goals and really hoping he can add some offensive juice to that third line. Gil, before we let you go, I have kind of just written off the Panthers as a real challenge in this play-in series relative to, you know, what I've seen from the Islanders this season. Is there a foreseeable scenario that, you know, Florida pulls off an upset here? Is there something to be scared of on this Panthers side? I I think there's a few things. Uh, The big key is obviously going to be Sergei Bobrovsky and how he plays in goal. You look at his numbers this year, a 3.23 goals against a 900 save percentage. Those are not typical Sergei Bobrovsky numbers. And if he comes back to form and gets hot, certainly that makes the Panthers that much more uh, dangerous. And then you look offensively and, you know, they have four players with 20 or more goals on their roster, another with 19. You know, Florida is the sixth best team in in the league as far as goals scored, whereas the Islanders are 23rd, I believe, you know, they've got to contain that Florida attack. Now, the old cliche, especially in the playoffs, good defense would beat a good offense, but, uh, you know, they still have to slow down that good offense. And if Bobrovsky comes up big and keeps Florida in those, you know, in some tight games, the firepower of the Panthers could certainly be one way for them to overcome the Islanders. 
Now, I hate making predictions, but I love making other people make predictions. And so before <laughs> before we wrap things up, I'm going to ask you to make a, predi- a prediction. How do you think this series goes? What's the end result for uh, the Islanders and the Panthers? I think the Islanders win it. I think they take it in four games. And uh, I, I think they build toward that next round where it's going to be a lot tougher for them to advance against probably, you know, one of those four teams that are in that round robin tournament and the caliber of opponent will get higher well thanks so much for breaking all that down for us today we'll uh we'll keep an eye on what goes on and maybe you'll be back for the next round and we'll get to chat with you again about what is going on so for everyone out there who wants to follow along with the islanders and uh, keep up with what happens through this play-in round where can they find you and your show on the internet well it's uh obviously locked on islanders at at all your uh podcatchers and then uh you could certainly follow the show on Twitter uh, at Locked On Isles, and you can follow me on Twitter at Ice Wars NYR VSNYI. And uh, we've got all the latest, you know, news and notes concerning the Islanders, and there'll be a lot, uh, a lot of great stuff to come once the uh, playoff or play-in round gets underway. What's up, guys? Trey Matthews of Locked On Devils here, and let me tell you about Discover Debit Cash Back. Wings for the game? Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey, boom, cash back. Even a last-minute ice run could score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's a guaranteed win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one is a real game-changer. Check out Transaction Eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit discover bank member fdic our play-in previews continue here on the locked on nhl podcast as we are now joined by the host of locked on bruins yes it is ian mclaren ian how are you i'm doing good how are you guys uh, how are you guys doing today Oh, can't complain, can't complain. Excited to have some hockey to talk about, some real yep. hockey, uh, you know, after months and months of, of just nothingness. But uh, let's talk about your team. Uh, Ian, it seems more likely that the Bruins matchup is against COVID-19 because what is going on in that camp they are having? It just seems like half of the roster is unfit to play. Yeah, it, that really peaked over the weekend when I think up to nine Nine Bruins were designated as unfit to participate in practice. Thankfully, a majority of them have come back, but the biggest issue has been the absences of David Pasternak and Andre Kasha, both of whom are you know, expected to be top six right-wingers for this team, uh, all things being equal. Pasternak was able to practice once with the whole group. Kasha has skated once on his own, uh, but otherwise they have been you know, quote-unquote, unfit to participate. I think Bruce Cassidy said he's hoping there'll be a full group by by the end of this week or, or Thursday, which, you know, doesn't leave much time before they're supposed to, to head to Toronto. There's been a lot of talk about the fact that on uh, Twitter and on Instagram, there were some photos that popped up of Pasternak and Kasha kind of skating on their own with some local players uh, at a local Boston rink. Uh, earlier, kind of last week at the beginning of phase three, 
and there's some confusion as to whether that was allowed or uh, if that's kind of where they were exposed to someone who has tested positive or, or what's going on. But, you know, all the Bruins can say and all the NHL can say is that they're unfit to participate and we know they're not injured. So you can kind of uh, read between the lines there, but hopefully they are cleared to practice and participate in training camp at least a little bit before this team uh, travels to Toronto. And, and hopefully, I mean, ideally they're <laughs> on that plane with the rest of the team when they do uh, come up north to Toronto. I think uh, on Sunday, they're supposed to be coming up here. So as, as we were chatting, when we were getting set up to, to do this, you also mentioned another possible hiccup for the Bruins in terms of a player who is pretty darn important to that team, who is not at 100%. Can you fill us in a little more on, on that potential disaster? Uh, yeah, that would be uh, Vesna finalist Tuka Rask. And he, along with Connor Hellebuck and Andre Vasilevsky last week, when those finalists were named. Three of them took part in a, a Zoom call, and it was noticed that Rask was wearing a, um, a splint on a, his finger, on his ring and middle finger, on his trapper hand during that call. So he was asked about it uh, after practice here on Tuesday, and he revealed that he broke his finger while doing box jumps apparently during some COVID pause workouts. This was, I guess, during phase two. So a few weeks ago now, he said it should be cleared up by the time the playoffs begin and it's affecting his catching ability mildly at this point. There's still some discomfort there, but if that were to linger, that would obviously be problematic. Having said that, Bruce Cassidy, uh, head coach, has already said that Yaroslav Halak will play at least one of the round-robin games, and Rask himself said he would be surprised if he were to start each single playoff game. So I think more than in the past, not only with the Bruins, but with other teams, we might see uh, some time-sharing in net even when the playoffs begin for the teams that have the luxury of having a, a high-level backup at the very least. So you could see more of Halak than we're used to in the postseason, and, and hopefully that finger injury does indeed clear up soon and, and uh, doesn't linger into when the games matter most. They are part of the top four seeds in their conference, of course, who are playing a round-robin tournament while the rest of the teams are playing play-in games. I would imagine that the team is probably just happy to be able to shake off a little rust while other teams are playing. Um, uh, and, and But it, it did seem like the Bruins were one of those teams that were extremely frustrated at the way this thing came together. And I guess why wouldn't you be when you were, you know, so far out in front in the standings? Uh, how is the mood like around the team uh, at this point as far as, you know, that that is considered, or as far as that goes, let's say. Right. I don't think it's uh, ideal by any stretch of the imagination. The Bruins were the only team in the NHL to reach 100 points this season. They were President's Trophy winners. They would have had home ice advantage all through the playoffs under normal circumstances. And now they have to play one game against Philadelphia, one game against Tampa Bay, and one game against Washington in order to try and re-earn that top seed. The Flyers, you know, were 11 points behind them in the standings, and they could end up with the number one seed. Uh, doesn't really seem fair, but I think the Bruins kind of accepted the fact that this is what the NHL wanted 
to do in order to bring the playoffs uh, back and to, to, to finish off the season. I think it might have been a bit easier to swallow if there was some reseeding. Wherever the Bruins finish in that top four, I don't think there will be any real easy outs uh, among the teams that end up qualifying for the playoffs. You could say even if, if 12C Montreal were to beat five seed Pittsburgh, you would say, well, yeah, that might be an easy out for whoever has to play Montreal, except for the fact that they would have just beaten the Penguins. And obviously um, there would have been a reason for that. So, I mean, like I said, it's not ideal by any stretch of the imagination, but um, the fact that A, they're guaranteed a top four spot and home ice advantage is kind of a wash at this point. I don't really think it, they're too concerned about who they're going to play in the first round. They really just want to get down to business of, of playing those meaningful games and trying to make good on their status as a Stanley Cup contender and erase the uh, unfortunate way that the season ended last year, for sure. Which is kind of a an interesting thing to look at, considering the fact that the Bruins are really bringing back pretty much almost all of that team. You know, obviously there's going to be heightened motivation for the Bruins to to push through and to make it to the final. Uh, but you have to go through this weird round robin thing first. And unlike the teams that are doing the play-in, you're going to be seeing three kind of very different teams as you fight for seeding in this round. Is there anything that you expect the Bruins to really focus on? Or is it really just more, I hope no one gets hurt and then move on to the next round? One thing that really impressed me about this team this season was their ability to rebound from that loss to the Blues last year. They had that roster continuity and that really served them well in terms of getting back on track really quickly in the regular season. And sustaining that throughout the season with only a little lull back in December. Um, so I think that will serve the Bruins well as they jump back and play that familiarity with each other, the strong leadership group that they have, and pretty much everybody knowing where they're going to play and what the role is. Having said that, there are a couple new guys like Kasha I mentioned before, Nick Ritchie. They still need to find out exactly where they will fit in, and hopefully Kasha will be able to, to, to practice here at some point. I think for the Bruins, it will really be refining their game games, finding those line combinations. I don't think they're too overly concerned with, you know, sweeping through the round robin. I think we will see some guys getting some rest during that time to keep them fresh for the playoff round. And we'll see some players kind of step in to get some of that game experience if they are called upon in the playoffs due to injury or what have you guys like Jackson Nika or Trent Frederick, perhaps. I think what sets this round robin apart from the qualifying round even more is that the round robin games will be played under regular season rules. And that means that if the game is tied and the overtime decides nothing, it will go to a shootout. And that was the Bruins huge area of weakness this past regular season. Uh, they were just atrocious in the shootout if they had even won like half their shootouts they would have been pushing 110 points for the season up to that point so um, that could be uh, to their detriment if the games are decided that way uh, but overall I don't think like I said they're too concerned about you know sweeping each game or getting that number one seed they just want to find those line combinations get familiar with with their game and certainly stay healthy will be will be a huge priority and that's why we might see some regulars sitting out a game or two even uh just to ensure that they are 
available for when those games do matter most. Well, one last question for me, Ian, before we let you go, and that is you mentioned uh, the the new bodies that got added to the team at the trade deadline, Andre Kasha and Nick Ritchie in separate deals from Anaheim. At the time, I feel like uh, those moves were sort of viewed as like, uh, salary cap management as this team looks ahead to the future, which is kind of a weird thing to uh, to say about deadline moves when the team is, you know, first place in the league and looks like a natural contender once again. Uh, have those guys made this group better than they were before? I think certainly the addition of Kasha uh, should make the group better. The Bruins have, for the last few seasons, really been hunting for that top six right winger to play alongside Jake DeBrusque and David Krejci and to be able to dump uh, David Backus's contracts it cost them a first round pick but to be able to acquire a player of Cash's ability was a huge bonus in that deal and you know I really think that he has the potential to fill that second line right wing position uh, very admirably and to really excel on that line we only got to see him four or five times before the pause and again he has been absent during training camp which is really unfortunate because he could have used that extra time to get to know those two guys better but overall I think he should be a lock for that spot Richie a bit different scenario. He hasn't quite found his spot yet. He was playing on the second line a bit. He's been on the third line. Now he's been skating with some fourth line guys. He was brought in, I think, more just for some size and not really his his scoring prowess, uh, which you know is debatable as it is. But I think overall, the team, with those additions, they are better than they were at this point last season. If it's It's hard to believe that a team that almost won the Stanley Cup could be that much better this season, but I think uh, overall with Kasha healthy in that second line spot with some other guys who have stepped up like Anders Bjork um, with uh, Carson Kuhlman in the lineup, uh, if Bruce Cassidy plays it right and inserts the right guys in the right spots to maximize kind of this team's speed and skill, these aren't the Bruins of, of 2011 where they were, you know, banging and, and crashing their way to a win. Uh, they're more of a, an up-tempo team with with some speed and some skill. So that optimal lineup, I think, can be used uh, to Bruce Cassidy's advantage. And, and this team, on paper at least, is, uh, I think, as good or if not a touch better than, than the team that went to Game 7 of the final last year. Well, Ian, thanks so much for coming on and giving us all of the information on the Bruins and who may or may not be uh, fit to play as we get ready to head into uh, the playoffs and the round robin and all of that stuff. So thank you so much for anyone out there who's listening to the show who wants to hear more about the Bruins and to follow along on their journey towards maybe getting back to the Stanley Cup final. Where can they find you and your show out there on the internet? Yeah, Locked On Boston Bruins is uh, available wherever podcasts can be found. Uh, you can follow the the show's Twitter account at LO underscore Boston Bruins. And I'm uh, there as well at Ian C. McLaren. And yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been fun. Have you ever seen an NHL player get off a team bus and think to yourself, gosh, I wish I could dress that nice? Well, with Indochino, you can. Indochino makes fully customized suits that don't require a trip to the tailor to get that perfect fit. Recently, I was shopping for a new dress shirt for my upcoming wedding, and when I decided to go with the Hyde Herringbone shirt, I was blown away at all the customization options I had. I could change the type of collar, cuffs, 
and even decide whether or not I wanted a chest pocket, all while being incredibly affordable, especially given the quality of the product I was getting. New colors, fabrics, and outerwear styles are added regularly too, so it's easy to create your next look. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use code NHL to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at INDOCHINO.com with code NHL. So we're wrapping up our day of previews here on Locked on NHL by heading to Florida and talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning. And so we've got our Locked on Lightning host, Adam Denker, here to talk with us about what is going on with the lightning and so i guess the first question i have is i feel like we, we talked earlier in the show with ian mclaren about the bruins and sort of about the unfairness let's say of this round robin for these teams who you know by and far were the leaders of their divisions teams that everyone knew was going to go to the playoffs and now they have to play extra games what's kind of the the feeling the mood around the team about the fact that they you know, have punched a ticket to the playoffs, but still have to jump through this extra hoop to find out exactly where they're playing. Well, I look at, and I'm a lot of Lightning fans are looking at this as kind of a plus for the team. The Lightning have been notorious somewhat throughout the entire season for being slow starters in games. And so, especially when there's kind of a layoff going on. And so, especially with this long pause that they've had, this is just more time to experiment with things that maybe they might not have been able to do during the season. Um, I spoke with it uh, with Chris from locked on avalanche that we're going to probably see a different style of hockey from some of these teams. They might go back to the basics, you know, because of the risk of certain players getting hurt. Uh, I've been discussing in full length on my show about the lightning could possibly dabble with the idea of the hockey's version of load management with some of their injury prone players. I look at this as just extended exhibition games, and this is the best thing that could have happened to this kind of team. I I can't speak for the Bruins or any other team of that matter in the round robin, but as just for the lightning, this is this couldn't have they couldn't have come out of this any better of the teams that you're going to be facing in the round robin are there any that you're kind of particularly wary of is there anything any sort of strategy do you think there's going to be going into this or is it just kind of a hope no one gets hurt and move on to the next round as soon as we can kind of mentality i think it you know like i just said it's more so exhibition mindset i think any other any hockey fan whether you're going to be watching eastern conference games or western conference games i mean these games are because you know the grand prize is home ice advantage but the you know the joke is is that the joke's on you if you go in the number one seat because you're playing in the same arena for the entire time so it's not like you're getting really home ice advantage so you know, this is just the time to hope nobody's getting hurt, maybe play around with some of the prospects that they brought up from Syracuse, see how those guys maybe could acclimate to the playoff atmosphere. And yeah, just get guys back in the groove and back in the swing of things. One of the advantages to this kind of long layoff, what I've been calling offseason part one, is that I feel like a lot of players who were maybe injured or are nursing something or trying to play through something have been able to come back full force as teams get ready to go into uh, this next uh, actual playoff round stuff. Is there anyone that the Lightning are getting back uh, after this long layoff? Well, Sarah, like one of the most frustrating things and any Lightning fan could tell you is that it seemed like 
it the, the lightning the good thing though that the lightning they've been playing with this whole uh next man up mentality and the most frustrating thing was once one player that they really need for example uh john ruda was hurt for a good significant amount of time as well as ryan mcdonough and so once mcdonough came back into play and that was the thing that the lightning were really missing was some of their solid defensemen so having mcdonough come back was a huge plus and then about maybe a day or two later steven stamkos goes down with a core injury and at that point in time it looked like you know under normal circumstances stamkos's timetable was looking like he wasn't going to come back until possibly the conference finals so this pause couldn't have come at a better time and as right before the pause happened as well, Victor Hedman went down. So, and we had no idea how long uh, Hedman was going to be out for. You know, they he had a lower body injury, but it looked like they were having no plans to rush him back whatsoever. So, you know, you're you're talking about your top two players on the team going down and a depleted defensive core out there as well. Um, and then Vasilevsky kind of losing his mojo at that time. So, you know, the, this team was for you know, not to go like overboard with it all. They were in somewhat of shambles. So, you know, to have that pause when it did, granted under the circumstances, it was unfortunate. It, it definitely worked out in the Lightning's favor as well as, you know, this how we're going to be playing the playoffs. I think like everything came together and um, it, it's kind of interesting as to if you remember when they were proposing all of this, the Lightning and the Carolina Hurricanes were the two teams from the Eastern Conference that, uh, oppose this whole format. I mean, if now looking at it, I think the Lightning couldn't have won out any better. Once they see how this round robin goes, I, I can't think of many opponents in that first round that they're going to face that are going to be particularly challenging or a, a team that I think they're going to approach with a lot of apprehension. Are you already starting to kind of look forward to the first round of the playoffs and who you might be playing? Or is it kind of solely focused on just these these games at hand? Um, I think it's a little bit of both because we're going to get a good chance as hockey fans, whether your team's in it, in it or not, to kind of get a glimpse of what you might be seeing from some of these top teams, as well as a chance for, you know, the, the teams that are in the qualifying round right now to kind of beat up on each other. You know, as perfect world, all these games in the Eastern Conference go to five. So, you know, at least these teams are a little bit depleted. You know, five games isn't exactly as taxing as seven. So that's the kind of thing that's, you know, a little bit unfortunate about the whole format of that series if you're a team that's coming into it fresh-faced. But I think one of the teams, I mean, perfect world, the Lightning play the Montreal Canadiens, but the chances of the Canadiens beating the Penguins, I don't really see it happening you know, the chances aren't really that high. I think a more realistic matchup for the Lightning would be probably, I would have to say maybe the Rangers Carolina series. That's probably something that Lightning fans should be hoping for. Uh, even though the, the, the Rangers are just such a dangerous team. They have one of the best players in the league right now who just has single-handedly been carrying them all year. And you have this three-headed monster in, in goal who you still have no idea who's going to play out of the three of them um but if you're really looking for a good team that's going to kind of complement the style that the lightning are accustomed to playing to i would have to say root for the lightning to play get the first seed and play toronto first round even though a lot of people would stray away from that first line with uh marner bear and matthews now the lightning of course have 
a lot of big names on the team that everyone knows, Stephen Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov, of course, your two award nominees, Victor Hedman and Andre Vasilevsky. But who are the Lightning's secret weapons? Who should people be looking out for who's maybe kind of flying a little under the radar in terms of uh, players who are going to be impact players in these games? Well, I don't know if you've heard of the social media phenomenon and you know, now he's an influencer, the the host of Doc Talk, Alex Kalorn. Uh, he's definitely come up huge this year in the absence of Steven Stamkos. Uh, you know, he was pretty much your average second line, third line player uh, for, you know, the first couple of seasons. And since Stamkos went down and especially just with the other injuries surrounding the team, Killer has just he's taken his game up to another level to where. I believe he maybe he probably his career high coming into this year in goals was probably maybe in, you know, around the 2021 mark. If we played out the season, he had a very good chance of hitting 30, possibly 32 if he got really hot at the end. So he's kind of the secret weapon. I mean, obviously, there's a lot more people that know about him now, considering his social media uh, fame. But the one guy who has I've really actually the two individuals that I've really enjoyed watching and I've really stepped up their game is Braden Point as well as uh Anthony Sorelli who if you don't know much about Anthony Sorelli he's pretty much prime Carl Haglin is the best comparison a lot of speed fantastic ability to disrupt the passes within the neutral zone and uh take the puck for for a possible break for maybe a fast goal here and there so that's definitely the guys that you could keep an eye out for going forward in any lightning game as well as Tyler Johnson who is obviously the the playoff hero a couple of years back for the lightning um as well as you know a couple of defensemen actually Victor Hedman as well who's you know like you mentioned he's in the Norris trophy standing but a lot of people don't realize how good Victor Hedman is just because he's so consistent with his numbers to where on the offensive side he's very solid but I can't even sit here and begin. You know, this would become a one-hour show if I just spoke about Victor Hedman's defensive ability in the defensive zone. And then one last thing before we wrap it up. Of course, we've talked about all the great things about the Lightning and all the players who are going to make an impact. Are there any concerns going into these games? Is there anything, any area of the Lightning's game that you think could be a sign of trouble or something that you really hope to see them improve on, um, especially once they get through the round robin and into the actual first round of the playoffs? Well, like I said earlier, um, one of the things that's plagued this team, other than injury, which, you know, there's always a possibility of that, whether, you know, you're injury prone or not, you know, it's every team, especially now with players kind of not really doing much. And when I say much, not really being able to be on the ice and do the things that they're normally accustomed to doing in the off season or when they have downtime, um, that's always something, you know, you're going to have to keep an eye on, but the lightning are notorious for their slow starts. Uh, one of the things they consistently struggled with during the season was giving up the puck in the neutral zone and having the other team kind of falling asleep on the defensive side of that to where Victor Hedman uh, would have to kind of book it all the way back down ice to have a chance at possibly breaking up the two on one. But yeah, those are one of the things that they're going to have to have to deal with and have to continue to work on, which I'm sure just, you know, from the drills that I've seen, it looks like they're, they've been buzzing around working on their defense and looking to make Chris more crisp passes on the offensive side of things. Now there's always that risk of kind of lulling themselves into too much of a comfortable position with Vasilevsky and gold. There's been times this year where they've not really come out of the gate too fast playing well. And then they kind of, 
look towards the big cat to kind of bail them out in certain situations, which you never want to have, especially in the playoffs, because then that could, you know, especially if you're letting a team rip off 40 to 45 goals in a game, you know, the chances of him stopping all that are very slim consistently back to back. So those are one of the, some of the things that they're definitely going to have to continue to work on because those things, especially with the time off that they've had, those things just don't go away overnight. Well, thank you so much for breaking down all of the latest news and updates and secret information about the Tampa Bay lightning as we get ready to finally return to play in the NHL for people who want to learn more about the lightning or feel like they're ready to jump on that bandwagon and follow the team through the playoffs. Where can they find you and your show? Well, you could find locked on lightning on any outlet that distributes podcasts. You could go find us on Twitter at LO underscore lightning. If they want to reach out to the show for, you know, any questions or comments or just to chirp us, you know, we're always open to that. Uh, They could go to locked on lightning at gmail.com. And if you want to, send me a tweet or whatever, reach out to me. You could go to A-P-D-E-N-K-E-R, Danker on Twitter. Um, love to hear from people, whether you're a Lightning fan or not. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's going to be an exciting playoffs. I'm sure everyone's kind of looking at each other as like, what's going to happen? It's definitely going to have that March Madness kind of feel to it, and I couldn't be more excited. Awesome. We are super pumped here, too, for, for playoffs and can't wait to see what happens. Thanks so much for joining the show today. That is it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to our playoffs preview. Like I said at the top of the show, we are doing these all week long, so make sure you tune in tomorrow for more great guests breaking down the playoffs, the play-in round, the round robins, all that great stuff. We're highlighting these all week, so if you've missed an episode, make sure you go back and check out anything that you have not heard yet. You can find Locked on NHL on Twitter if you haven't already, at Locked on NHL. Make sure you're giving us a follow there so you never miss an episode. And of course, subscribe to this show in whatever podcast app you so choose. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple, anywhere podcasts are found, we are available. So make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And of course, tell a friend all about it. If you have people in your life who love hockey but aren't listening to this show, make sure they go do that. That is it for today's episode. Until next time, this has been Locked on NHL, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.